Hey, welcome Kingdom Real Estate Investors to our Wednesday edition of the podcast show. This is an excerpt from our live real estate show we do every single week with business owners, real estate investors from all over the country. If you're enjoying this and you want to join us every week or see who our next guest is that we're going to be hosting this week, go to thekingdomrei.com forward slash live. That's thekingdomrei.com forward slash live to join us and register and again to see what special guests we'll be bringing on this week. Enjoy the episode. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm a child of God and uh, I try to remind myself that every single day and uh, it's very important to keep rooted in that faith, uh, especially when you get into the, the business of finance and real estate that I'm in, you start seeing some circles that go in the wrong direction. Uh, that being said, uh, I think I heard Ellis mention the fact that I'm, a, I'm an ex-athlete uh, and my stint in the NFL was very, very brief, um, but I took a lot of lessons it, away from- there, There's very few people that can say they, they made it, man, short or yeah. not. I took a lot of lessons away from athletics that I now apply into our business. And and so, you know, I, I kind of do two things here in Kansas City um, on the brokerage side, a lot less than I have been in the past. We're really focused on our own acquisitions and operations of the real estate that we own and operate here in Kansas City. So uh, very similar to you, we are uh, real estate owners and syndicators that bring investors opportunities to get access to deal flow that uh, they would not have had otherwise. And we manage the properties. We do the construction, leasing all of that. We're highly focused on the Midwest. We're starting to kind of trickle out into some other markets that I can still drive to, but all of our holdings, which is you know close to 1,100 units now, are all here in Kansas City, mostly focused on workforce housing. So class C apartments where we can really add value to those uh, buildings through an operational efficiency with us managing it or uh, through cosmetic upgrades. So I'm sure everybody's heard that in the past, but you know we're we're a very localized, I would say, group. Um, our team is is seven strong now, and uh, it will quickly be probably ten to eleven by the uh, the next probably three to four months, just depending on how we can uh, bring these folks on. So I'm really excited. This is this topic that we're talking about today. Building high performance teams is is one that uh, I've been doing a lot of research, a lot of studying on, and thankfully in my past I've done a lot of leadership. Um, reading. And, and now I'm starting to get actually the ability to, to utilize a lot of that. So that's who I am. That's what I focus on, Ellis. So Logan, let's back up a little bit, man, because, you know, when we first started chatting and, you know, I knew where you were, you were talking about investing, you're doing, maybe you had done a few deals. Yep. But then all of a sudden, dude, like, you know, you, you left me in the dust, man. I was like, you know, I feel like a small guy talking to Logan now, you know, and not, not in stature anymore. And so, but there was something about, you know, the partners you found. And so Oscar, for example, he, he asked some questions. I think he's a one man show at the moment. Maybe he's not sure. I'm just using Oscar as an example. Talk about like what made those team members such a good fit for you guys, like for you personally, and what were you looking for in kind of your initial team and team members? Yeah. Well, I think I have to tell a story and I have to tell a story about a deal that I lost a lot of money on personally. And uh, this this goes back close to two and a half years ago, where beforehand, everything I had touched turned to gold. So I was Mr. Midas, as they may, you know, you may have heard. I had the Midas touch going on in Kansas City. And um, I found a big deal. 
I put it under contract. I brought one investor into the project with me. I tried to wear all of the hats. So from acquisition to project management, to construction management, leasing, um, everything. I was trying to do all of this. And when I was chasing all of those rabbits, I caught none of them. And so I had to take a step back. I sat down with my wife, who's very strategic. And she said, well, look, what are your strengths? You know, what, where do you focus at it that you excel? And um, I started to dive into that. And I, I came up with a few kind of processes for myself that allows me to, to, to have a mental model to use uh, to then apply to my business. And so the mental model I grasp onto was Strength Finders 2.0. Um, so one of my points here is knowing thyself. But then the second one was the Ikigai. And Ikigai just is a Japanese concept. It's very simple, but it means a, a reason for being. And it's a Venn diagram, which is the intersection of what you love, what you're good at, what you can be paid for, and what the world needs. And so I took a really deep dive kind of thought process into that, you know, first with myself. And then I said, okay, let me apply this to the commercial real estate world. And what I found were some huge gaps. And uh, at the same time, I was reading Jocko Willink's book, Extreme Ownership. And, you know, he doubles down and says, make your weaknesses your strengths. That's where Jocko and I actually disagree. Uh, we disagree on a few things, but in the concept of making my weaknesses my I strengths. Would, I wouldn't tell him that to his face, though. He might, you know, if there's, if there's a guy I'm more scared of than you, it would be Jocko, by the way. So. Well, I tell <laughs> And I hopefully I'll get to be on his podcast one day, but I always tell Jocko that uh, he gets up at 434 and I have all of his T-shirts. I'm on his T-shirt club. I love it. But I uh, actually get up at four o'clock. So if I'm beating Jocko up, I've already got one win go. uh, for the day. But basically looked at the Ica guy and then I apply that to commercial real estate transactions. Right. So in commercial real estate transactions, you've got acquisitions, due diligence, you've got debt financing, you've got equity relationships, construction. Uh, project management, asset management, reporting, dispositions, accounting, the list continues to go on and on. And so what I took is I took all those tasks and I said, okay, let me layer these on top of the Ikigai model, uh, the mental model or the concept. And let me figure out where my sweet spot is. And I found out that my sweet spot, I heard you speaking to this, uh, that Jeremy is very good in Excel, is not modeling out deals, is not uh, you know, doing accounting and, and project management, it's focusing on building relationships. And so what I did is I started to put that out in the world. I said, I got this new idea. I'm willing to bring deal flow investors and I need partners that can fill those gaps for me. And so that's good in concept, right? That's, that's very complete at the theoretical level, but I needed to make it effective at the applied level. And so what I did was started meeting with people. I met with everybody it felt like in Kansas City. And all roads led to these two guys. I said, what you're doing, you have got to meet these two guys that are out there, you know, doing the other pieces that you're not doing. And it's a pretty funny story. I won't bore you guys with it, but it took me two or three months to get in front of these guys. And once I did, the relationship really started off. But we didn't become friends first. We became business partners first. We tested out kind of our business uh, relationship before the friends piece. And, and uh, but as if, if anybody knows, I'm big on an individualization. So I have a good read on, on folks, on, on who they are as individuals. And, you know, I had been doing some projects with some people that, you know, my values didn't really align up on. So I exited those partnerships. So I was very cognizant of the fact that, hey, my values need to be aligned with the people that I'm, I'm thinking about doing business with. And so we did a lot of what I would call culture indexes and uh, strengths tests. And uh, Ray Dalio has one of my favorite ones 
that he just put put out. Um, so Ray Dalio, everybody knows he's the CEO of Bridgewater Rope Principles, but he has an, a new kind of uh, mission in life to give all of these principles back to people in a digestible way. If you haven't downloaded his app, Principles 2.0, I get one in my email every single day or on the app every single day. And I just get to read that and save them. It's the whole book is on an app, which is incredible. But on top of that, he brought a brand new strengths test where he took all of these other strengths tests, combined them, probably spent millions of dollars to do this. And then, you know, got the brightest minds. Adam Grant was one of the guys he consulted with on this, on this strengths test and brought that in. And so I had all of us take that, uh, that test. And what we found was very interesting. There's different islands um, on this test that you, you can take. And uh, the islands are really, really cool. So it'll help you understand kind of uh, where you stand. You, if you're an architect, a creator, or an advocate. Well, turns out I'm the advocate. Parker is the creator and Corey is the architect. We didn't have any overlapping strengths. And now that didn't just happen by happenstance. It, it was kind of uh, intuitive for me. But when we actually put it on paper, we saw, holy cow, now we understand from a principal standpoint why uh, we all work so well together. And so that's the first piece that I'll just say, and I'll let you ask some questions on that else. No, that's excellent. I mean, I, I love that, you know, and, and you guys got very lucky that there was that, you know, but I think I wrote those down principles 2.0 and the strengths test there to really do that test. Or even if you're not gonna do it with your members, do that for yourself. So you right. know, here, here's what I bring to the table. I um, mean, here's then what I need. I know I need Jeremy. Like I, I actually really don't want to do deals anymore without Jeremy because I have questions. There, there are things that I am not doing enough for my investors if I don't have Jeremy on my team because he's there, there's a there's a level of which I can't bring a level of professionality without without a guy like Jeremy. So I think knowing that about yourself yeah. is really key. Yeah, it's 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 crucial. And you know, Ray calls these leveragers, and leveragers are people who can go from conceptual to practical effectively and do most to get your concepts implemented. I have a lot of great ideas, okay? But I don't necessarily always understand how that's actually going to work in the business. And what I found was leveragers with Parker and Corey because they've done this before. They think differently. They have different experiences than I do. They have a better background in finance and economics, all of these different things. And so they were able to take those conceptual ideas that sometimes feel you know, a little outlandish and then bring them back down to the world and say, this is actually how we can go implement that, or this is a really bad idea. And so, you know, how to do more uh, than what we think is a puzzle that I think we all struggle with. So and, Logan, to, to be more sure. sure. And by the way, if there's people who have questions, I highly, highly, highly encourage you to type them in the chat and let us, let us answer some of these. But let me ask you a question while we, while sure. I got you, how do you like to go from, okay, you found this team, you guys are partners in this. So it's not like yep. you're, it's not like they're your assistants, they're actual partners. Oh, yeah. It does help that you have different strengths, but how do you, um, so I just showed like our level 10 meeting. Do you, what do you guys do on a weekly or on a regular basis to just make sure everyone is literally staying in their lane and you know, you, you're going to stay focused on what you're doing there. He's like, and that it really becomes result oriented, you know, sure. or result focused. How, how do you bring that in so that everyone's on the same page and they're doing what they're supposed to? Yeah. I mean, I think there's three ways you, you first off, you have to have fewer things to do and prioritizing them. So we have to say no to a lot of things. And, um, you know, I have ideas. The other guys have ideas. 
And thankfully, we have uh, a relationship based off of radical transparency where it's like, no, that's not what we should be focused on right now. So that's the first part. The second part is when when we first got started, Ellis, we didn't stay in our own lanes. We were all over the place, you know, uh, and, and that's kind of hamstringed us for a certain amount of time. But then we started to say, OK, what what are our lanes, you know, exactly? And where should we be focused on? And we started to delegate. That's when we started to, to actually hire people out, you know? And so that was very, very important. I think the, that's, that's what helped us in, improve our productivity. But to answer your question directly, I would say this, we spend a lot of time together, okay? We are face-to-face, -face, spending a lot of time together in a lot of different environments, working out, hiking, uh, going to uh, our private club, having a drink together, meeting our wives, meeting our each other's children, going to events together. And so it's not just this silo where we're just kind of on Zoom or on phone calls all the time. It's face to face and you get to see how people are feeling. You know, you get to see, you get to read their body language. What's stressing them out? What's not stressing them out? Where, where are they enjoying their, you know, spending their time? And so I think that we have regular check-ins, right? So they used to not be scheduled. They have to be scheduled now. But at any given time, we have two to four hours of time where there's really no agenda. There's some topics that we need to cover, but there's really not any agenda. And it's mostly just a check-in and that's weekly. So we spend a lot of time outside of the office. I'm in our new office that we're, we're purchasing, but uh, we, we spend outside of the office, we get outside and we, we just try to you know, get a read on how each, each person is doing. In, in tangibly, that turns into items that need to be taken care of or items that, uh, you know, need to be addressed. But uh, it's more of a it's more of a approach that is not as, as strategic, I would say. But maybe it is strategic. I, I don't know. Uh, but we spend a ton of time together and that allows us to kind of really start to feel uh, how each person is doing, and then we make adjustments based off of that. Uh, and then that radical transparency piece, man. I mean, if I've got an issue with something, um, I don't just put it under the rug. It's it's out there. It's open. Um, you know, I'm bringing it up, and everybody feels like they can bring something up to them. So that's how we approach that. I don't think it's as uh, robust as as it might be in the future, uh, but it's more of an organic kind of situation. But it comes down to just spending a lot of time together right now. So, look, and I'm trying to kind of dig into this a little bit because I feel like, man, there was a turning point for you guys. And maybe this, maybe you answer it in some of these, like getting more face to face. And maybe, maybe you just say that was the answer. But, you know, you talked about you guys were kind of flailing in the beginning. But can you look back now, now that you guys have done several assets and say, this is when things started to click that would be applicable to people who are watching? Because Ken's got seven employees, Bethany's yep. got 25. There are people who have members. You know, even our team, Symphony, like, you know, we're but something we're still waiting for something to really click. What was it that really clicked? Can you identify some of the things that you guys begin to do that helps you really catch momentum and start, you know, doing multiple deals a month really is it seems like what you guys are up to right now. Absolutely. And there was definitely a turning point. The the first one being implementing Gino Wickman's traction book, right? So the entrepreneurial operating system, running every single meeting off of that, having a goal, a purpose, and a strategy to get there in every single meeting. So it was being very intentional. The second piece was having a defined investment thesis and staying in that circle of competency. 
meaning there's a lot of historic readaptive use projects we could go chase right now. There's a lot of neighborhood retail office that we could go chase right now. But guess what? What is the market asking for? What is our investors asking for? It's workforce housing. It's, it's value add multifamily. So let's focus most of our attention on that. And then the third was COVID-19, right? It said, okay, we've read Charlie Munger. We've read Warren Buffett. We read Howard Marks on a regular basis. What do they all say? Sam Zell, same thing. When everybody's looking right, you got to go left. And so when everybody was sitting on the sidelines last year, we doubled down. And like your buddy, Grant Cardone would say, we took 10x action. So we took 10x action, not only on putting our necks out on the line and doing deals, but we also took 10x action on building the infrastructure to support that underneath us. And so when we did all three of those things, that combined, I feel like, was the recipe for success that just allowed us to kind of hit that hockey stick growth. Wow, that's excellent. I want to repeat that. Traction, again, that was exactly what I was showing before this, our level yep, 10 meetings going through that. I highly recommend. By the way, um, how early did y'all set core values in your company? Yeah, I mean, it was the first week of, of traction, right? I mean, I remember during, it was probably March of, of last year. Right. Do you when come back hit. to them often? How often do you do you look? Do, do, can you state them? Do you know them? I'm curious, actually, seriously. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, the first one is being staying entrepreneurial and lean. The second one is always having our investors interests in mind. And the way that we say that is never do a deal that you wouldn't do. Right. So don't just use your investors capital to do a project just to do a project. Uh, the third one is Shark Pack. I know that sounds a little bit funny. But, you know, when you think about sharks being out in the ocean and they're they're preying on the smaller fish, uh, you know, I think that all three of us could have our own firms separate from FTW. But when we put all three of them together, it allowed for a pack. So one plus one didn't equal two, it equaled three, you know. And so that that was the, that's our third one. The fourth one, radical transparency. Right. So, hey, if you can't take construction, you know, constructive criticism or feedback, this probably isn't the place for you. And the fifth one is is mitigated risk, but also being OK with some risk. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think that uh, those are kind of our cores. I've got right. what I will call um, I, obviously we're part of the same same group with Raise Masters. And uh, I took to heart what Cameron Harold said. So entrepreneurial operating system is how you are building what you are building. But it doesn't always tell you what you are building. Sorry about that, guys. My wife is FaceTiming me. <laughs> and so, uh, the uh, the EOS or traction is the is the how. That's the you know that's the how. That's that's the blueprint. But the what is the vision. And so I took that you know traction document and then I wrote a vivid vision with my partner's kind of you know. Uh, interests in, in mind and, and made made that thing jump off the page, right? It's something that gets our employees excited, something that gets our principals excited. It's rooted in our why of helping uh, an underserved population, all of those different things. And so uh, I think that, um, you know, we, we revisit that. That's going to be plastered up on the wall here, uh, here very, very soon. But every Monday morning, we bring up our we have a document that's pretty similar to what you just showed everybody. And we go over our VTO. And then every quarter, the principals are taking an offsite for three, two to three days, typically away from our families and revisiting all of those values, seeing where we're at with them and what's going on. And so I think that um, it's, it's right in line. It's in the grain. All of our employees would be able to tell you exactly the way that we function. 
Um, and it's, it's, it stems from the EOS, but that's, you know, that's kind of how we approach that. Did you ever do, and this is the last point before I let you go, man, this, Logan, this has been awesome, dude. I mean, seriously, I've written down notes. It really just, I think for me solidifies, it takes more, like it's so easy, man, just to hit the ground and go and like, yeah. oh, I'm doing deals. I need to do a deal. I need to find an investor and not like, I call this, this is like the foundation, the glue that holds all of this activity together and just solidifies how we got to continue to commit to this. Did you do any of this, like talk about vision setting before you had this team? I'm just curious, like first, maybe there's a few folks here who aren't have a team yet, but they want to build a team. How important or did you do any of this, even having a personal vision for your life before building a team? The the mantra here is we're building our business around our life, not our lives around our businesses. So we're building our business around our life. So life, you know, faith, family, that all comes first. And so I think the being on the same page with Parker and Corey before we even, you know, stepped in foot to the EOS was crucial. Well, I remember the day we were still at one of our, our properties here. We were having an offsite and we just sat down and said, 10 years from now, what does it look like? You trying to build Blackstone or are you trying to build legacy, kind of a private equity firm that can continue to be passed on to your employees? None of us said, hey, we're trying to build Blackstone. We're not trying to do that. What we're trying to do is give back to our community, live out our faith, but also uh, bring a lot of value to our family. So, I mean, we did that. It wasn't on paper per se until I read you know, and, and, and got to meet Cameron Harold there uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but it was on it was on the, the traction. We were all on the same page with that. So we knew exactly where we were going. How we get there is going to be, you know, up and down. However, right. we're all we're all rooted in the same goal. And I think that's crucial, man. I mean, I think it's the the glue that keeps us together. I never have to worry about, hey, I wonder if Parker or Corey are working hard today or, you know, how they're going to react to a certain you know scenario. Uh, it's just very in tune because we have that vision and our values are set. Yeah, that's huge, man. Hey, Logan, um, I'm going to let you go here, man, just to uh, bring on Zach. Todd does have a question in the chat. Maybe Absolutely. before you go, you could just type type in you know, a good answer to, to Todd would be awesome. Happy um, to do Logan, that. before you get out of here, man, where can people go to learn about you guys and what you're doing there in Kansas City? I appreciate that, Ellis. You know, we're, we're highly active on social media, LinkedIn, but uh, our website is ftwinvestmentsllc.com dot com and Kansas City is is our main focus. Thank you for for having me on and let me share some of these thoughts. Logan, I tell you, man, it's been it's been a highlight. Guys, Logan said so much of what I was talking about before. This idea of vision, vivid vision is probably one of the best. It's a short thing. If you haven't laid out a vision for yourself, your company, like that is step one, core values. Um, and then, you know, I mean, golly, and then what he he talked about defined investment thesis. That could be a whole topic right there learning what to say no to absolutely logan love you brother thanks so much man love you too thanks for having me hey just because the show's over doesn't mean the journey is listen if you're a faith-driven real estate professional or investor then you'll want to go to the kingdom rei.com to learn about our mastermind if you're interested in investing alongside me in alternative investments like multifamily apartment complexes then head to ellishammond.com to learn more about that cheers